Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Heavenly Father, uh, this morning uh, we come before you to be reminded of the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that... uh, you would remind us of this new identity that we have because of you and how we get to live because of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us, that you would fill us, that we would be under your influence, that you would teach us. Father, I pray that uh, the words that people hear this morning are yours and not mine. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, Clem told you that uh, this morning I was going to begin a, a discussion on leadership, and, uh, and he was operating under the best information that he had at the time. I'm going to be calling it a little bit of an audible this morning, and uh, we're going to be talking about leadership, but on a different side of leadership. Instead of human leadership, we're going to be talking about spiritual leadership. Today, we're going to begin a conversation that will continue next week and then intermittently throughout the rest of, of this year. And we're going to be looking at at various places in the book of Acts that talk about what happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, The church in the West, lots of churches in the West, I should say, in the United States, when it comes to the Trinity, when it comes to uh, who God really is, what he's revealed about himself... Um, as, as Orthodox Christians, we, we embrace the Trinity, but, but oftentimes we're, we're really just two-thirds Trinitarian. Uh, oftentimes we, uh, we talk about God the Father, and we will talk to the God the Father. We will talk about God the Son, and we will talk to God the Son, but we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit, and we very seldom talk to the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that that begins to change uh, for us this morning. Um, and the question is, before us this morning, is what does it mean to be filled uh, by the Holy Spirit? This is a discussion that we're going to start today. And, and so uh, you need to hang with me a little bit. Uh, today serves as an introduction to the series, but at the very end of this message, we're also going to dive into one of those pa- scripture passages that talk about uh, what happens when people are filled by, by the Spirit. But oftentimes when we hear the words filled by the Spirit, we mistakenly think that uh, what's being talked about is a quantifiable thing talking about quantity of the Spirit. And and I think that a lot of Christians have a false notion that some people have more of the Spirit than other people have. Like, uh, there's this, maybe this idea that, that maybe like a pastor or maybe somebody who, who, who does this on a weekly basis, somebody who's up front or, or a leader within a church, like that person has more of the Spirit than a lay person has, than than maybe you have. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The reality is, is if if you are in Christ, like if you have embraced by faith the truth 
the, of the gospel and that you know that there is a God, a holy and righteous and perfect God. And this God created you to be in his image, to actively, accurately reflect to the world what he is like, to come under his reign and his rule, that this God created you for that purpose. The problem is, is you didn't want his reign and his rule over your life. And, and you, along with the rest of the humanity, just like me, have walked away from his reign and from his rule and wanted to rule ourselves. And when we did that, we unplugged from the author of life and sin and death became a part of our story. But God, God the Father sends God the Son and the God the Son takes on flesh and he's fully God and he's fully man and he comes and he, he lives as we live. He's born as we were born and he, he lives a life that, that we live except his life accurately reflected who God the Father was. His life was holy, righteous, and perfect. And then he takes this holy and righteous, perfect, and he offers it as a sacrifice at the cross. And at the cross, the exchange is made where he takes your sin and he gives you his righteousness. And then he absorbs the wrath of God willingly. The wrath that you and I deserve for our sin, he absorbs that willingly. And pays the penalty so that you become righteous and that you get to go free. And in his resurrection, the Father raises him from the dead. And in that, you find new resurrection. Sin and death are no more for you. And, and so we await a restorative time. We, we, we await this time when Jesus comes back and, and all that's wrong in the world is made right. This is the gospel. And if you have embraced this gospel by faith, then you are in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the third person of the Trinity dwelling inside of you. And you don't have any less than anybody else has. To being filled by the Spirit, it's not a quantity thing. It's not a quantity thing, it's an influence thing. And see, that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 5. When he says, do not get drunk on wine. This is, this is the illustration that he's using. You, you know the way that, that alcohol works. That if you take alcohol in excess of what you should, it overwhelms your body and you begin to hand over control. You begin to hand over control of, of your senses and your inhibitions and, 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 and your speech and all sorts of things begin to happen when you cross that line and you begin to hand over control to your flesh and the result, as Paul says, is, is sin. It's sin. And what Paul is saying here, he's like, I, I want you to give over control. I want you to hand over control of your life, but, but not, not using things like alcohol or drugs or sex or food or anything like that. Don't use that stuff to hand control over to your flesh. Instead, hand over control to the one who deserves it. Hand over control to the Spirit of God living inside you. See, it's not about a quantity thing. It's about an influence thing. You have the same amount of, of the Spirit as everybody else has. The question is, is how much are you going to drink? How much control are you willing to hand over to the Holy Spirit for your life? How much are you willing to come under the influence of the Spirit of God? So that's what this series is about. At the end, uh, again, we're going we're gonna to look at one instance of that in the book of Acts. Um, some of you guys know that I'm a Steelers fan. And uh, it's hard being a Steelers fan. Um... The last few years, 
uh, we, we, we get there and then we just fall on our faces. It's hard to be a Steelers fan. To, to have, like, like, you feel like you got the team that's got all the pieces. Like, it's got all the right talent, and it's there. But something happens. Your team goes 11-0. and 11-0. and And then it goes on a losing streak, and then it, it loses to the Cleveland Browns in a wild card game. I, I hold myself partly to blame for this because uh, last Sunday Steelers played the Browns and I asked Clem Boyd to preach and if you don't believe he's a Browns fan check him out stand up Clem I, I let a Browns fan preach I, I, it's my fault but it's hard being a Steelers fan and see, the thing is, is you, you look at what's going on, right? And, and, and your team, and you feel like everything is, is, is right and it's in its place. And, and, and let's face it, guys, when your team is on a losing streak, who do you blame? The coach, right? The leadership. It's either leadership from the sideline or it's leadership on the field, but there's a leadership problem here, right? For, for, for Steelers fans, this question of like, what's going on? How do we fix this? How do we start winning? I mean, how do we go all the way to the finish line and, and win the Super Bowl? Like, we have to fix this, and to fix this, we have to address the problem, and the problem must be leadership. That's where we go as human beings. You see, I, as big of a Steeler fan as I am, I can still walk after they lose, right? Like, I'm okay. There's always next year, no big deal. But as big of a Steelers fan as I am, I am a big fan of the church. I love the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is God's chosen method of getting the gospel to the world. Like, I love the church. And, and to be honest, like, especially over this past year, I've been looking at the state of the church in, in the West, in the United States especially, and, and I see what's happening to it, and I'm, and I'm bothered by it. And so from a human perspective, I'm, I'm asking the question, what's wrong? What needs to get fixed? What needs to change? And so I go to a human wisdom standpoint, and what, if your team's on a losing streak, like it appears from a certain perspective that the church is on a losing streak, what do you go to as the problem? Leadership. And so I intended this morning to start a, a series addressing biblical leadership in the church, and I began to be convicted powerfully about that. And here's where my conviction began. Acts 1, 1 and 2 it says, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. I've never seen that before. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is, is raised from the dead. He's walking and talking, and he's hanging out with the disciples, and now it's time for him to ascend into heaven, but before he does, he gives them the Great Commission. We see it most uh, clearly in Matthew 28, but it's in all the Gospels, and we'll see it here again in Acts 1. But it's this, this commandment to go and to make disciples. But what Luke says here is he gives this command through the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I, I scratched my head about that because Jesus was there in person. He was with them when he gave them this command. What, what does it mean to be, 
This is through the Holy Spirit. And then I begin to look at the life of Jesus. And when you look at the life of Jesus, what you discover is that Jesus himself was under the influence of the Spirit. He lived in Trinitarian relationship, not just with the Father, but also with the Spirit. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the Spirit. The Spirit was there throughout that journey. Jesus lived under the influence of the Spirit. And so when it's time for him to ascend to heaven, he's looking at the church saying, you need to be under the influence of the Spirit as well. By the the power of the Spirit. That's that's where my eyes begin to, to question, like, is this really about human leadership or is this about spiritual leadership? And then, Matthew 16, second part of verse 18, Jesus is having this conversation with disciples about who he is, and and Peter makes this profound statement of faith, and, and, and Jesus says this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says, I will build my church. See, from a very human perspective, I feel responsible for building the church. Like, I think that I can change the church. Like, we, we, we look at all those statistics. Remember a month ago, we looked at the, 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 some of the uh, statistics of the church in America, and it's declined. That in 2019, roughly 20% of our country claimed to be Christians who attended regularly or participated with, another, with a body of believers. Roughly 20%. But that was already trending down, but COVID accelerated that that this morning, we, we, the church has lost roughly 20% of its people. That it, just in the span of one year, one out of every five people who attended an in-person gathering no longer attends, not only in person, but online, anything. They've just walked away from the church, and the churches, many churches are closing their doors. And so from a certain perspective, man, it seems like the church is on a losing streak. And I want to say, it's a leadership problem. Right? It must be a leadership problem because that's, that's human wisdom. That's, that's what we should go after. What does Jesus say? No. I build my church. Jesus is the one who builds it. Jesus is the one who, who saves it. Jesus is the one who sustains it. Jesus is the one that offers the course correction. Jesus. It's his church. And the second thing we should learn from this is it says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you know what that means from the Greek? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a great translation. It's it's indestructible. The church is indestructible. And we look around and we see what's happening in the church in America. And we see it's on this decline and like people are leaving left and right and and, and people are shutting doors and things like that. and, And we think, well, the church is dying. It's not dying. The church cannot be killed. It's indestructible. So what are we seeing? First John 2. They went out from us. Churches closed their doors. People walk away. They went out from us. Why? Because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. The church isn't dying. The church is being refined. The church is entering a crucible And the things that are not of the Spirit, the things that are not of God, the things that are not truly the church are being melted away and being burned off. I I want us to, to, to be able to discern the difference between a church that is under the, the, the influence of the flesh and a church that's under the influence of the Spirit. 
to discern the difference between a church that, that is human-centered and a church that's spirit-centered. And so I want to list some, some of the marks of, of a human-centered church in order to give us a, a picture of, of this. First one, oh, uh, before we go any further, one more. There we go. After John says in, in verse 19 that they went out from us because they were not part of us, he says this, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. What he's saying there is there's a difference between you and them, and the difference is the Spirit of God in you. So the question before us, church, is, is are we going to be a spirit-filled church, a spirit-centered church, or a man- or human-centered church? And so let's look at some of the marks of a human-centered church. First one is this, growth by division, not by multiplication. When we look at the book of Acts and we look at the first couple of hundred years of church history, what we see is exponential growth. Just a church that just blows up. And that kind of growth, it doesn't make sense from a human standpoint. Like, it, it, it does. It embodies what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven, how the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a mustard seed, but, but it grows up into this big old tree that, that birds build nests in. That, that's not a typical mustard plant. That's supernatural growth. That's crazy growth. That's the growth of the church in the first 300 years. Crazy, crazy, but it's spirit-filled growth. It's, it's a church under the influence of the Spirit. That's what caused it to happen. That's why it blew up so much. And we see that in, in two ways. One is, is persecution. You would think that a group of people who are persecuted, who are killed, who are thrown in jail, who are beaten for what they believe, you would think that they would stop believing that, but instead of, of, of dousing the fire, it just caused the fire to spread even more. The Spirit of God was at work through persecution to multiply, explode this church. But the second way we see that is that, that the people within the church who were Spirit-filled, who were under the influence of the Spirit, said, okay, Spirit, what do we do? How do we live? And they embraced that great commission. Go and make disciples because the world needs the gospel. And so, all right, let's do that. Let's take people who have the, the Spirit, who are full of the Spirit, who are under the influence of the Spirit, and let's lay hands on them, and let's send them out. And the church multiplied like crazy. If you look at the church in the last 300 years in the West, the growth has come about not through multiplication, but through division. Now, I'm speaking in generalities here. This isn't the case for every single one, but, but it's, it, it's generally pretty true. That more often than not, new churches are started, not because people desire to see the world embrace the gospel, but because people want to have their own way. Division, not multiplication, where you got a group of people within a body who don't like the way something is, and so they decide to go and do their own thing. And, and they'll, they oftentimes will attribute it to theology and to doctrine, but more often than not, the doctrine is less than the gospel. Because they want their soapboxes, they want to have church their way, and so they're going to go do it their own way. And so the church doesn't multiply, the church divides. And let me tell you something, the world is looking on, and they see a divided church. The fact that over the, the course of the last 300 years, how many new denominations are there? How many new 
flavors of non-denominational churches are out there. And yet how many new believers are out there? That is a human-centered church. A spirit-centered church. Next one. The burden carried by professionals rather than lay people. Specifically, the burden of the gospel. Look, I don't like changing my oil. And so I will take my vehicle to a place where I can sit in the car and they will get under it and they'll do all the work and they'll get their hands dirty and they'll dispose of the, the oil. They'll take care of it. I do not mind paying somebody else to change my oil for me. But changing my oil is not the gospel. And the reality is, is if you are in Christ, you are a disciple. And you are a disciple who's been called to make disciples. And for you to know and to articulate and to be able to go to your neighbor or to your friend or to your family member, to go to your coworker and, and explain the gospel, that you know the gospel. This is not the responsibility of a pray, paid church person. The idea that, that you don't have to know the gospel, that you don't have to communicate the gospel, that, that your job, get him to church and let me do the job because I'm the professional. That is not biblical. We've handed over responsibility for the proclamation of the gospel to people who, 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 are, who are the paid professionals. And oftentimes we gladly take that role on because we elevate ourselves and it makes us big and powerful and like awesome. All these people listening to me, it's intoxicating. But the reality is every single one of us is called to proclaim the gospel. You know what our job is as church leaders? We're going to dive into this more when we get into the book of Ephesians in February. It's to equip you to proclaim the gospel. It's to, to equip you and get you ready for that. Next, relationships are programs rather than investments. Clem talked about this last week. We were made for relationship. We were made for community. We need one another. We need to have relationships. Women, you need to have other relationships with other women. Guys, we need to have relationships with other guys. But, but something has happened where we've lost the ability to relate to one another so, so that we no longer go up to someone, hey, you want to have coffee? You want to hang out? I want to get to know you. I want to find out what God is doing in your life. I, I want to see the, the, see the grace and mercy of God in your life. I want you to see that in my life. We've lost the ability. What we've done is we've turned to a third parties and programs in order to facilitate opportunities for us to relate to one another, but only on superficial levels. And it becomes a one-month thing or maybe a once-a-week thing. And we go and we spend our hour and we, we laugh and we talk about really superficial stuff. And then we walk away thinking, okay, we have real relationships, but in fact, we don't. It reminds me of like junior high. Like there's that girl you got that crush on. There's that boy you got that crush on. Instead of going up and talking to them, hi, how are you? Like instead of going to them, what we do, we go to our friend and we say, hey, will you go find out if so-and-so likes me? That, that's, that's how we are re relating to one another in the church. Because we don't need a men's ministry. We don't need a women's ministry. We need to go to one another and invest intentionally in one another and go deep with one another to get past the superficial stuff. We need relationships. We were made for relationships. But it costs us 
We looked at this in, in, when we looked at the book of Ruth, that relationships are, are, are not a means for us to get what we need. Relationships are a means to lay down our lives. Next, me is more important than we. We leave churches because I wasn't being fed. We walk away from churches because I didn't like the worship music. I didn't like the preaching. I didn't like the fact that they met in a gymnasium. There's going to be people who are going to leave because I don't like the fact that they meet in that old building. Me rather than we. That the church has be, become something that is so consumeristic. It's about coming and getting, coming and receiving, coming and taking. This is not a spirit centered church. A spirit-centered church is about looking at one another and realizing that we are connected to one another. The same spirit of God that lives in me lives in you. And we're meant to work together with one another. We're meant to complement one another. We're meant to be a part of this, this, this family that was dependent upon one another. We need one another. And so we give to one another. As a family gives. Because it's not about me. Lastly, I'm not needed. The, the reality is, is, is I'm not needed. The money I put in the offering plate pays for the show, and I'm just an observer of it. I'm not needed. And there's a lot of churches that are human-centered churches that are built on this idea that you can just come, and we'll take care of everything. You know, the, the strange thing is, is there's actually a lot of people leaving uh, human-centered churches because they're not needed. Because the church was asking not too much of them, but too little of them. The question before us is, as we turn a new chapter as a church, is are we going to be a human-centered church or a spirit-centered church? What is going to hold us together? What is going to be the driving force? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that the Spirit of God is refining the church. And what is not true is melting off. So let's talk about this practically. Acts 6, 1 through 6. Now in those days, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint of the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid hands, their hands on them. So we're not going to go in order in the book of Acts. I picked this one out uh, specifically because of where we're at as a church. They were looking for people who were full of the Spirit. So here's the situation. 
The day of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. The church goes out and boldly begins to proclaim the gospel. Peter stands up and delivers this powerful sermon, and thousands of people come to place their faith in Jesus. And overnight, the church has just exploded. But the church is all of a sudden, it's, it, it contains a bunch of people who now don't even speak the same language. There are people in, in Jerusalem who are from other parts of the world, and they speak Greek. And, and so because they're different, they're not taken care of. They're not valued the same as Hebrew-speaking Christians, and so they're looked down upon. And so the end result is that the helpless among them are neglected. And this isn't right. And so the apostles get everybody together and says, all right, it's family meeting time. It's family meeting time. There's a problem in our family, and the family is going to solve it. Select seven people. So the church selects seven people. The church chose people from among them in order to serve tables, in order to do a menial task. But the requirement of these people was that they were full of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, why do you need people who are just like awesome to do something so menial and so small? To look like Jesus. Remember Mark? Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Look, if you want to be great, you need to be the least. If you want to be in charge, you need to serve first. We're going to look next week at, at one of these individuals and, and what God did through them. But here's these seven guys, and they speak Greek, so they're able to, to minister to these Greek widows well. They have something that the rest of them don't have. But they're selected because they are full of the Spirit. They are under the influence of the Spirit, and all they're going to do is serve tables menial work but it's God's work it's serving the body but what the leaders of the church did is that this is a church problem this is a family problem the family is going to solve this problem you see this if this was a, a human centered church they would have to, to, to go and stand up in front of them and, and guilt them and conjole them and, and beat them over the head with scripture saying you need to do this because you don't really believe that this is about you and, and, and church is an activity for you. It's not something that you are. You have to go through all these hoops to get people to do things they don't really want to do. That's kind of the way church ministry has been for a really long time. Because your church fails to understand that if there's a problem in the family, as a family member, I'm responsible to help solve it. So we're going to get practical. As we make this transition into uh, a new building, um, we've had a lot of transition over the last year, actually. But there are needs. There are practical needs of the body. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to put some slides up on the screen. And I'm going to look at, at individual uh, ministries that um, are, are uh, they're just specifically about this gathering that makes this gathering happen on Sunday mornings. We're going to look at those, those specific ministries. And as we do that, I want you to do two things. First, I want you to praise the, the Spirit for what He's done. Because you're going to see a bunch of names up there of people who are under the influence and who have willingly stepped in and are serving, who are Spirit-filled people. And so I want you to praise God for what He's doing. But the second thing I want you to do is I want you to ask the Spirit 
is this a table you want me to serve at? Look, we're not trying to get you to do anything you don't want to do. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about control. It's asking you this simple question. Are you under the influence of the Spirit? And will you allow Him to lead you? And will you submit to that? So praise God for what He's done, and then ask the Spirit, is this a table you want me to serve at? And if not, cool. So let's look at the first one. Frontline. Uh, Frontline is led by Amanda Gillespie. Frontline is um, it's the team that, that greets people as they come in the door. Uh, it's their job to make anybody coming through that door feel welcomed, um, feel like they know what, where to go and what to do to answer any questions. Um, it is the, the front line of, of embracing people as they come in, in the door. Hopefully after COVID, more literally than figuratively. But, but Frontline is a really, really important ministry. Going from this building to the next building, we actually have more entrances over there. We need more people. Um, uh, Amanda is asking for eight more people to join Frontline. Um, some of the skills, attitudes, and gifts required are empathy, flexibility, and a servant's heart. So, praise God for the people that you see up there who are serving, and then ask, Spirit, is this a table you want me to serve at? Next. Worship. Uh, Ryan Stover leads um, the, so many things. Um, and got his hand in a, in a lot of stuff. Uh, Ryan's uh, a part-time staff, um, but he does full-time work <laughs> sometimes, especially this last week as he's been building a, a, a new sound booth in a new building. Um, but you can see the, the list of people who are, are part of the, that worship team. Uh, but he's asking for, for more. Um, need you know, at least two to three more people who um, have an ear for music, but also humble in spirit. Um, the reality is, is this is a difficult ministry because you're up in, on stage and you're in front of people and you need to be, have a servant's heart. You need to be humble. Um, you have to be able to take this stage uh, wanting to glorify God, not wanting to glorify yourself. It's a pretty important thing. Next one. Uh, the AV Club. That's the nerdy term that I came up for these guys. Um, so uh, Paul Beach, Ryan Ruff, and Adam Davis, um, they oversee the live stream, um, the projection, and uh, the sound that, that you're hearing now. Right now, we're operating on our, uh, our temporary sound system, our mobile sound system, because the other one's being installed um, in, in the other building. Um, but uh, we are looking for uh, at least two more people to join this team, uh, one for the sound side of things and, uh, and one for the media side of things. Um, Need some moderate tech computer experience, flexible, quick to communicate, willingness to learn, ear for music, that sort of thing. Um, and so, praise God for the people you see up there, right? Now ask the Spirit, is this a, a table you want me to serve at? Coffee Kitchen Crew. Uh, currently, we have uh, the Missions Cafe, and this is going to expand a little bit in the new building. Um, because uh, we have a, a kitchen that we get to utilize, and so that means some responsibility as far as keeping things clean and organized. Anybody who gets food that comes out of that kitchen wants to know it came from a clean place, right? So uh, this takes people to, to help out. Um, uh, Chuck and Rhonda Clevenger are the ones who lead this ministry, and uh, they're in need of, of eight more people. So you see the list of names up there. Praise God for those people. Now, is this a table the Spirit wants you to serve at? Um, offering collect team, 
Um, Jay Jackson is our staff team lead. Uh, he also oversees uh, this. Um, every week, we need two people to collect the money that comes into these black boxes, count them up, seal them up, and, uh, and hand them off to the person that's going to make the deposit. Um, you need to be trustworthy, obviously. We need people that are non-judgmental. You're going to see seeing names on checks, and you need to be completely humble um, about that and discreet. Um, we are in need of two more people. I would say we probably need four more people. One of the things that you'll notice up here is that people's names are listed more than once. There's a lot of people who are, are serving in more than one area of ministry. And the reality is, is there's enough work here to go around. Okay? So, praise God for the people that are there. Now, is this a table God wants you, or the Spirit wants you to serve at? Facility grounds team, we're going from renters to buyers. We have this big facility now, and it needs to be taken care of. This is led by Jay Benicki. Um, right now, we actually have a ton of guys who have stepped forward and doing all sorts of cool stuff uh, for that building and in that building. What we are in need of now is um, people to serve at an on-call basis. So if there's an electrical malfunction, we can call you. If there's a plumbing malfunction, we can call you. That's what we need. Servant's heart is, again, required there. Uh, connection team, this is led by Sarah Craig. I made a mistake. This is also uh, Judy Jackson is a part of this, and her picture should be on there, and so I'm sorry, Judy. Um, but servants needed for this, um, we, we need a, a couple. Um, I think at least two, um, but the, the Connect team, this is the team that um, connects people when they, when they want to go be a part of a house church. From, from here, gets them connected to a, a particular house church. Uh, important ministry, uh, FM, infants. So now we're going to start looking at a bunch of ministries overseen by Ter uh, uh, Tristan, all right? And the first one is infants. We haven't had a nursery for some time, probably majorly because of, of, of COVID. But as things change, um, we have a room set aside for our, our little ones, and we are asking for people to step in and hold some babies, right? Um, he's looking for excitement, patience, willingness, um, eight people to fill that, all right? So uh, praise God that, that this ministry can, can get off the ground, but also ask, is this a table that God is asking to serve at? Toddlers. Everybody loves toddlers, so we're good. Four or five K, uh, we need four, uh, four people there. Um, uh, again, you know, we ask that you love kids, you know, love, uh, love being with them and, and love teaching them about Jesus and things like that. Um, we're, we're asking for four more servants there. So praise God for the ones that are, that are serving, but is this a table that the Spirit is asking you to serve at? Kid life, the 10. This is a big, big area of need. Big, big area of need. Um, this, this goes from first grade on the, all the way up to fifth grade. We would like to see this age group divided um, because it's a wide-ranging age group. And so we, we, we need to, to see people step in and love on our kids. Praise God for the ones that are there. Is this a table that the Spirit is asking you to serve at? Student ministries. Um, we have a, a ton of, of awesome college students who are a part of this, um, but the reality is, is they're not here for four months out of the year or more, and our kids need to be discipled all the time. Now, up until this point, uh, every uh, ministry that I've asked you about, with the exception of the, the plumber or the electrician, every one of those has been about asking you to serve one time a month, just one time a month. 
And the reason for that is it prevents burnout, um, it allows people to stay in ministry uh, longer and have a more cheerful attitude, and it's, it's, it's exciting rather than drudgery. And so we're asking people to just do it one time a month. We spread that load out. With this ministry, this is a more intense discipleship ministry, and so we're asking people to be available once a week because you're investing in the lives of our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. And, and the, the big need here is with men. We need men who are willing to disciple younger men. So two men needed and, and one, uh, one female needed there. Uh, safety team. Uh, it, this is led by Dan Petty. He takes care of the recruiting um, for all of that. However, what we need is medical professionals. Um, we need uh, doctors or nurses or, or whatever medical professional we, you want to volunteer for to be able to work with Dan to know, um, to take one Sunday of the month that we know who's, who's the medical professional there and ready to go, who we could tap on the shoulder, hand a medical bag or an AED, and, and let them go to work. So we need four. Last but not least, preaching team. I was hired to be a preaching team leader. I was not hired to be the man. So what I am asking for is for men who are in house church leadership If this is a table that God's calling you to serve at, that you would take a 13-week course that I'm uh, going to begin in the month of February. It's pretty intense. There's lots of reading. There's uh, writing. There's discussion. There's all sorts of stuff. But to go through a preaching course and to, uh, to work out one, one message that you'll preach sometime in the next year. 13 weeks to prepare for one 30-minute message. So... Is this a place that God is asking you to serve at? Uh, I will say about the, the preaching course, it's open to everybody. Okay? If you, even from middle school on up, if, if you want to learn how to go to Scripture and, and, and study it in order to talk to other people about it, then you can learn something from this course. So anybody can take it. Just come talk to me. But I'd like to see a preaching team. Um, because this church isn't about one person. It's about, well, it is about one person, it's about Jesus, but you see what I'm saying? So the question before us, church, as we enter this new chapter, and a question that we need to return to over and over and over again, is are we a human-centered church or are we a spirit-centered church? Will we be under the influence of the spirit rather than our flesh? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up as I close with this one thought from Ephesians 5. Paul said, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time. When you become aware that life is short, you begin to reevaluate what's important. What's the most important to you? Are you the most important thing? Or is what the Spirit of God doing the most important thing? What is worth spending your days on? Dear Holy Father, I pray that, um, that we would be led completely by you. Father, forgive me for the times when I have tried to uh, fix your church. Spirit, I ask that you lead me in decisions that are made. 
I pray that, um, that the leaders of this church would, would be so submitted, so humble, and so willing to be under your influence. Father, I pray for, for this day and the results of this message. I pray that it bears fruit. I pray that we wouldn't be a people who would say, I think that the Holy Spirit's tapping me on the shoulder, but I really don't want to. If that's, if that's happening this morning, I pray that, that your spirit would remind them of how good you are and how much of a blessing it is to be influenced by you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.